Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU. And right now, Moon Knight, episode two. Moon Knight! Moon Knight! I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And... As mentioned, we're going to be talking about the second episode of Moon Knight, which is now on Disney Plus. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it because we're going to go all over the place talking about spoilers here. But brief bit of recap for the episode, picking up on the cliffhanger at the end of the last episode where Moon Knight was finally revealed. Uh, Stephen Grant wakes up, kind of thinks things are a dream, kind of thinks there's not, but he slowly discovers over the course of the episode there's a second personality lurking in his psyche named Mark Spector. Mark Spector has a wife who is estranged named Layla. That's the lady who was calling him the last episode. And by the end of the episode, they have come face to face once again with Arthur Harrow, who it turns out was the previous Fist of Conchu. I guess they're not calling yeah. him the Fist of Conchu yet in this show. They're calling him just uh, the Vengeance of Kanchu. Avatar. Avatar of Kanchu. And uh, by the end of the episode, we are in Egypt and really getting to it. We're from London to Egypt, traveling That shot at the end of this episode, I was like, okay, we know. There was, there was, like, there was so much pride in that like long, slow push over. And they're like, the pyramids, you believe it? I was like, I know. We know. We know about I mean, them. I'm of two minds of that sort of thing because I understand it's like, and now we're in Paris in front of the Eiffel Tower. Like, it's an easy visual thing, but also yeah. there's other things. Well, of course, but like, if this was a movie, it would be like pyramids. And then we go on with the story. And this is like, can you believe this Egyptian god has come to Egypt? <laughs> ah, it's like his home. I, I just, and the music, the needle drops of this show are intense. Yeah. I don't know. They're, they're it's, it's tuned up in the mix or something. Cause it's like, when that dropped, I was like, whew, they are they're giving definitely, you the, drinking a bottle of weird whiskey. Like they got, they got a bunch of swagger mind you with the music. Like I think I'm enjoying it. The stuff over the end credits doing yeah. a little bit of like, I assume it's Middle Eastern rap or something like that or whatever is exactly going on. If I said the wrong thing and insulted everybody, I apologize. Please let us know. <laughs> pre-apology. Yeah, pre-apology. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. We'll delete the whole podcast. We'll start over. Yeah, but, consider this uh, I'm enjoying it. It's fun. It, it's definitely fun music, but I get your point. There's definitely like, like I was saying, there's a certain amount of swagger going on here in terms yeah. of like, we're giving you something different to the MCU. This is not what you expect. Let's go. And like, I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just, it's just funny. And in, in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe and the TV shows is always very cool. They're always like 
sort of like, oh, you don't get it? Okay. And in this show, they're like, look! What have I did? <laughs> yeah! and, and so it's a total change. And I, I actually prefer like mm-hmm. that confidence, that swagger you're talking about, as opposed to the too cool for school vibe of so many of the other shows. It just is, it's a funny, uh, it's a shift in that I hadn't expected with Moon Knight. Well, this is something that they've talked about quite a bit in the interviews around the episodes. And we didn't talk on the first episode of the podcast, but they one of the impetuses behind the series, at least from the writing and directing perspective, is they felt like Egypt and Egyptian culture hasn't been represented properly on screen, that it's always yeah. presented as like very exotic and weird. And the white man comes in and does all of these things. And here they wanted to present it more authentically, understand it more authentically. Uh, and so I, I think what we're getting there is that excitement over doing that, over being yeah. like, we're doing this in a big budget MCU project that probably gave us millions of dollars per episode. And that's fun. They're having a nice time. And from what I know about, like, the Egyptian sort of uh, gods and just culture and stuff, it's super interesting. They're, uh, like, the understanding of death and, like, the weird choices they made, like we saw Mark talk about. Yeah, they took out all the organs and left the heart. That was just the thing they decided. And, like, that kind of stuff is super interesting compared to, like, we hype up the Norse mythology because of Thor so much when that's, like, very small in the larger yeah. uh, sort of world culture. I mean, I, I have affection for Norse uh, mythology. I think it's fun Naturally. and weird, particularly not to get too far afield, but if you go back and read the original Norse myths, they're like messed up on the level of original Grimm stories messed up, where they've been very sanitized through Marvel comics where I think most people are like, oh, that's what you think of when you think of Thor and Loki. And I, I've talked about this on podcasts before, but there's this weird story where like Loki, all of Loki's tricks throughout Norse mythology you're like, I killed a horse and dumped it in the river. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a big prank back then. That was. was sort of the ancient uh, Norwegian Jerry Seinfeld was like, look at all the dead birds. <laughs> Did you ah. notice? Have you ever noticed how this horse is dead? Eh? <laughs> you see? Now, this actually, though, gets into something that I wanted to talk about here, because uh, the part that I skipped over in the recap is we get a very big sh- section de- delving into what's going on with the avatars uh, in this episode. Um, do you think, are these gods real? Like, are the, I guess my question here is, like, they've been very careful uh, setting up gods as... Uh, science beings, right? Like as aliens, like that's what the Asgardians were. Uh, there's that yeah. whole thing back in Thor about like what you think as um, magic is actually science. So here we're starting to touch on this a little bit with Khonshu, with all these powers, with um, Ahmet, we get uh, mentions of several times from Harrow, and that seems to be the main thing that's um, motivating him. But do you think these gods are real? Like, are these actually gods or are these more alien science beings? Um, I, it's hard to say at this point. I mean, Kanchu is sort of a dick. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen him in, in last episode in this episode. And he's like, he's sort of like, come on, hurry. He's like a frustrated <laughs> New Yorker uh, mm-hmm. of a God. He also doesn't seem super powerful. And I know this is also in the comics where he's like, he has to get Mark to do everything. And so it's like, oh, what is your deal? So to answer your question, I feel like if they are, it doesn't feel alien. I feel like that that touches, that extends out of Moon Knight in a way that I think would be weird. So it does feel like it it will be odd, but I think they are like, 
bad gods or like mm-hmm. gods who aren't super powerful, sort of like the old fashioned um, Greek mythologies where it was just like the gods were each god was good at one thing and then they were bad at everything else. Yeah, it is interesting, and I'm curious to see how it plays out over the course of the series, because not not to touch on another property, but also Eternals is kind of the same thing. It's skirting over this idea of, oh, yeah, they're aliens. They were sent to Earth. That's where, like, a lot of our mythology came from. That's what uh, this all comes out of. But here, Kanchu is like a skull floating above a body that seems vaguely connected by little hairs or filaments or something like that. So... I don't think they need to explain it, and I kind of hope they don't, but maybe this is the thing where it's like, we've already done the explanation for this, just roll with it, and it's all good. Well, let me also throw out, and this happens in the comics a lot, uh, Mark is like, are you real, Kanchu, or am mm-hmm. I just imagining you because I've lost my mind? And that could be it, too. Like, there's nothing, there's so much perception shifting in this episode, and Kanchu has the vibe of, like, like a Tyler Durden or like a Mr. Robot, like that additional personality that our hero has that is just that. And maybe the power comes out of Mark. So, I, I mean, we don't we don't really know. And that's that's what I sort of like that with this show so far is like they're throwing us in and just letting the characters be themselves rather than being like, so Kanchu, he's um, he's invisible, like doing mm. the little bits and pieces. And obviously the Jackal. That's what plays in at the beginning of this episode. Well, uh, I'll throw this out there, too, just to bounce off of what you're saying. I am surprised, not disappointed, but surprised that they're not leaning into more of the Fight Club, Mr. Robot style thing of what is real and what is not real. Because at the beginning of the episode, we get a little bit of that with the whole sequence with not Dax Shepard, the guard, who is uh, showing him the footage, and we see there's nobody else there. Like, he's just kind of going through it. But by the end of the episode, it's clear the invisible jackal is an actual invisible jackal as they're fighting it, specifically because it's happening to Layla as well. Everybody sees him in the Mr. Knight suit. So... This does seem to be really happening. He does actually seem to have these multiple personalities of Mark Spector and Stephen Grant. Um, and so I'd assume that Kanchu is real as well, um, which is different than the modern comics, which to your point, it's like, is he doing this? Is he? Is this real? What? What is happening here? So I don't know. Yeah, and I do like the way that they play this again. That, that's what I think the real innovation with this series compared to the other Marvel series is is the way that they're they're telling the story and the the perception shifts because we get a bunch of them in this episode Mark going to the to the facts Shepard um uh, to talk about look at the security footage and find that there's uh, nothing there uh, but all the consequences uh, are there and then we get uh the total flip like Steven loses his power by the end of the episode um as the sort of driver uh and I'm curious if that will continue throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to mention, which I completely neglected to mention in the first episode, F. Murray Abraham as the voice of Kaju, which I definitely spent the whole first episode being like, who is this? This is very familiar. And then the credits came up, and I was very happy. I'm glad that uh, old Salieri is having a late career resurgence between this and Mythic Quest, and I think there's a couple of other things that he's done. Good guy. Yeah, especially like he's a vo- his voice is strong. I feel yeah. like he's uh, doing some voice work, which is cool. Um, he is, and he's yeah. great in this. No, 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 that's his natural voice. He talks like that. They actually used to need to tone down the resonance on other yeah. shows because. Well, sorry, maybe I'm maybe I'm alone here, but you hear him all the time, right? 
being like, go to work, Justin. <laughs> We're actually not even taping a podcast right now. You're just looking at a mirror and talking to me. Oh, you're my F, you're my Conchu. I'm your avatar. Oh, no, no, my- no. I'm I'm the Stephen Grant. I am. <laughs> yeah, of course. Wow, yeah. this is awkward. So let let me ask a question while we're kind of bouncing around randomly here through the episode about Stephen Grant. There's certainly a question of who is the main personality here, Mark Spector or Stephen Grant. Maybe this is because I've read the comics. My impulse is to think, okay, Mark Spector is the actual personality. But two things happened in the episode that I thought were kind of interesting. One was that Steve, I keep mixing them up in my head, Mark tells Stephen, listen, just do this thing for me and I'm done. I'm out of here. And then there's also a point when he's talking to Layla for the first time where it seems like most of the things that Stephen Grant likes he took from Layla, like speaking French, being into yeah. Egyptology, all of those things. So where's your head at? Who is the real guy? Ultimately, I don't think it necessarily matters, but what's your take? I mean, my uh, coming from the comics where Mark Spector is sort of the main personality uh, and in the way the show is, it's like Stephen is discovering that the, he has this other much more intense life. The fact that Mark Spector's married is like, oh, Stephen feels like a sort of new personality if um, the other one's married because mm-hmm. it's, it takes time to get married. Eh, and it doesn't but, take that long if you head to like, you know, Vegas or wherever. Ah, uh, true. Well, but usually you can't just walk to Vegas and be like, here's your partner, get married. You should, do have to bring. It's like a BYOP situation. Mm-hmm. You could also drive. I'm just saying, you don't have to walk there. Uh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, I'm, more, I'm more of a walker. <laughs> You're more of a walker, walker traveler. Yeah. Uh, I'm a walker, Texas ranger. Uh, but what I do want to say is that all makes made me think coming into this that Mark was the dominant personality and then Stephen was sort of our our way in. Like in a Superman movie, you hang out with Clark Kent a little bit, but it's mostly Superman. Right. Uh, but I will say that the big difference maker for me here in this episode is – when um, uh, Mark falls off the building, smashes his head trying to, or Stephen falls off the building, smashes his head trying to summon the suit, and then he is the, the Mr. White suit does summon it. I was like, oh, interesting. Is that the way they're going to play this? Where uh, Mark is Moon Knight and um, Stephen is Mr. Knight. Yeah, I mean, that seems like what it is. It's, I, that was a very fun reveal when yeah. he does summon the suit and he summons a literal suit. And Mark and Steven have that very quick conversation about, like, what are you wearing? What's going on here? There's a part of me, there is a little twinge, again, as a comic book fan, where I was like, oh, this is a bummer. Because I believe it was Declan Shalvey who designed the Mr. Night suit. And it's yeah. so cool. Like, very it cool. was this thing that came in the it's comics. It's cooler than the other suit. Let's exactly. be Exactly. And to treat it as the labor suit is a bit of a bummer to me. Uh, I, I hear you um, because if we if this pattern continues with the rest of the show, it's going to always be him being like, hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in this suit. And it, so it won't he won't get to be cool. But I do think it's such a good I can hear the writer's room, the writers in the writer's room being like, look, he said suit. And of course, he's going to think of a suit suit, not a superhero suit. So that idea is too strong. To ignore, I think, from a writing perspective. And so totally. I'm, I'm here for it. It's it's fine. It works in the show. This is just me, like, holding on to some comic book stuff and the way Let it go. And it. first off, set the comics down. We're on a podcast. Right. You don't need to hold the grip, white-knuckle them as much as you are. I, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Uh, you know what? Comics suck. There you go. I'll say it. Okay, too far, too far, too oh, far. Too far. <laughs> oh, I overcorrected. Oh, no. 
yeah, I, I do like the Mr. Knight suit. I love that we do get a very clear sense, like the superhero origin story. We talked about this on the last podcast a bit, that it's funny that we haven't actually seen the origin of Moon Knight in two episodes. Like we haven't seen maybe a spoiler here. Uh, This is from the comics in the comics. Mark Spector, if I remember correctly, dies, right? He dies while he's raiding a tomb. He's a tomb raider, if you will. A bit of a tomb raider. Yes. A bit of a tomb raider. And he is resurrected by Khonshu who makes him into the fist of Khonshu. So that's, Kind of how it works there. That's kind of how it happens. But uh, yeah, what we'll see if that plays out in the same way here. I don't know necessarily if it will. Um, it feels like not. It, I mean, I, I don't know, obviously, but it feels like it's going to be. I don't know how the the. I bet we'll get in like an episode five style reveal. Like, here's how Conchu first met Mark mm-hmm. Spector. They're oh, like rom com we'll, style. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were both reaching for the same croissant. <laughs> Does that happen a lot? Yeah. Are you ever croissant specifically? When I was dating, I would spend a lot of time in bakeries just reaching for different pastries. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking hands. about it like it as a breakfast buffet or something. But when you think of croissant, you're just like, ooh, give me that uh, Holiday Inn Sweets breakfast buffet. The best well, I don't croissant. think about that, but when I think about places where I can actually reach for a croissant that's probably there versus a bakery where it's like they're handing it, you know. Maybe maybe you're destined to be with <laughs> Why the baker. I got so scared there. <laughs> <laughs> this romance stuff stresses you out. Speak, um. <laughs> speaking of romance stuff, why don't we talk about the relationship with Layla here in the episode? Uh, you mentioned the super bad of it all. I almost feel like there's a little bit of a love triangle bubbling up here, or at least they're setting it up between Layla, Mark Spector, and Stephen Grant. And I'm here for yeah. that. That's a great yeah. idea. Um, it's great. The idea, I mean, <laughs> the idea that she's mad at Mark and Stephen is horrible around all women, but sort of like nice. Like it feel it feels like a classic rom com love triangle, like we're joking about. Um, right here in the middle, but a, a complicated one uh, in the middle of this superhero show. Yeah. And what do you think about Layla in general? Because we heard her on the phone, but this is the first time that we really get to see her in action. Uh, I like her. I the um, actress. I haven't really seen. I was like, who is? Where, where have I seen her before? And she was in Rami, I think the um, Amazon oh, okay. show, mm-hmm. um, which I really like that show. Um, so I, she's. I think she's really good. And honestly, we, you, last episode you talked about this as um, the Mummy. As like, oh, it's Mummy Indiana Jones esque. I was like, I don't know. But seeing her, she reminds me of the actress from the Mummy, Rachel Weisz. Yeah. 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 It, I think that is a little bit more of that vibe here. And it feels like they're leading into it. That shot where she comes in to Harrow's little village. I guess he yeah. has several villages, is what we're Who finding. Who is out. this guy? This guy has know. a lot of real estate. He does. But when she comes in and holds up the scarab, I was like, oh, that's, that's the Rachel Weiss moment right there. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a fun, uh, an interesting revelation and interesting. They're leaning into the mummy of it all. The mummy, a movie that like, obviously was popular, but it's not like everyone's like, oh, when, are, when are we going to get more I mummy? I don't know, man. I mean, not to, you know, age us or anything, but I do feel like there's obviously this generation that grew up on Indiana Jones. They're like, well, that's how that's supposed to go. But yeah. the mummy is a cultural touchstone, and it's only become a bigger one over time in a very surprising way. And I think part of it, 
frankly, is because of Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz's chemistry in that movie, where yeah. everybody and maybe this is like my pocket of the internet, but I don't feel that is. way. I haven't been on mummy Reddit much lately, but it really? sounds like it's where you live. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the only website I'm able to access. Yeah. I saw your um, Twitch rewatch of the mummy. You do it once a week, right? Day. Once a day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, it has built up a cultural cachet over time. And I think particularly like, I don't know. I haven't checked the ages of the filmmakers on here or anything, but I would imagine they'd be like, oh, my God, let's go for that mummy vibe in the writing room. And then one old person like us in the corner is like, what about Indiana Jones? And they're like, who? Who? Yeah. Huh? The Crystal Skulls guy? That movie Uh. didn't make any sense. And I'm like, you're right about that. (laughs) We'll back you up there. Um why don't we move on and talk about Arthur Harrow? Because there's some big, interesting stuff that happens with him in this episode. You're smiling. Why? What's uh... oh, I have because I have a lot to say about Harrow. First off, I mean, the there are these tattooed Harrow heads are everywhere. How mm-hmm. many people has he got on staff? Again, huge real estate. He's got all these people who are um, getting tats for him, which is a life commitment. Um, it's it reminded me of. Uh, I feel like this is something that a lot of uh, we see a lot that like sort of cult where the bad guy has everyone like we saw that a bit in um, Captain America in uh, Winter Soldier with uh, all of those folks Um, so I I'm not excited for that but what I am excited for is I think Ethan Hawke is crushing it he is has some sort of fucked up Obi-Wan Kenobi energy in this episode and full-on Batman voice he is Christian Bale gargle uh, pebble gargle all day yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying his performance as well. I agree with you on the whole cult aspect, like just trying to think around it. And granted, granted, I never joined a cult, so I haven't really gotten the mindset. Fair. But I did study cults a little bit in college, and there is a – I did. I, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. Gateway because, to joining one is studying them. Well, yeah, and then I joined one. Like I don't really have the cult mindset, but I was in a couple of cults. But it's not yeah, a big for deal, research but I don't purposes. want to talk about Sex cults. <laughs> yeah, like sex cults. Uh, That's how I you was really, Instead of reaching for croissants, you reach for um, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I still don't, despite all that, quite get the mindset and try to wrap my head around like you're talking about – how this logistically works that he walks up to people, has them a cane and either they die or they don't die. I guess there's probably a certain amount of safety is the wrong word. Like just relief in terms of getting this guy being like, you are going to be a good person your entire life confirmed by God. That is great. But if the other option is you die, that's not a great option. What were yeah. you going to say? Oh, wow. They, I like that you're sort Hard of being stats like, there. So Hard anyway, I'm, there. A, I'm against the villain of this show. <laughs> oh, really? You don't like the way he moves? Well, but I think at the end of this episode, we see that he just kills the dude, random dude who found the scarab on the street. I, I, feel, I think. I don't think he's judging him and doing all that. So it feels like Harrow's whole thing is a bit of a show and that he's just can kill people mm, with his little crocodile king. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's possible. Uh, I I do think, on the other hand, I really liked, not liked, liked, but I liked the cult and the way it came like, out. Like. I didn't like, like it, but we didn't reach for the same crossroad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I got you. But like you were saying, just going through this village, that whole detail of I made my own lentil soup. It's based on, I think it was Hector's recipe and Hector being like, I love you, man, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Very fun and weird. Also, just really like Stephen liking the lentil soup as well. 
But the biggest thing for me that is the most interesting part of the character is the reveal that he was the former Fist of Khonshu. I think that creates a very clear line between him and Stephen Mark. And I think that's going to be neat to see play out throughout the course of the series. Definitely. And I also love how much he just shit talks Khonshu. It it sets them up as like, like they're exes technically. Mm -hmm. And we have like Khonshu with um, the new guy who's like sort of a little edgier and Harrow's like, uh, pissed about it clearly, but also need, he needs something. He's 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 the guy. He gets the scarab, obviously, but it feels like he has unfinished business with mm-hmm. Kanchu. Um, and something I happened. Al- also do wonder if we're going to find out how he broke free of Kanchu and whether potentially. Uh, I mean, it's not going to happen with Stephen and Mark because Moon Knight is going to be ongoing throughout the MCU, but. There's this implication that it's something that doesn't necessarily just end when you die, that you don't do it your entire life, because Kanchu later on in the episode doesn't say her name, but very strongly implies that if Mark gives it up, he's going after Layla. So yeah, he pulls the pulls the full on. There is another uh, Empire mm-hmm. Strikes Back card. Man, you're real into this Obi Wan this episode. I think it's there. I'm not. I'm not putting it in here. But that was to me. That was the classic moment. Like. There's another like it's yeah. right there. And the Obi-Wan thing is, is he is sort of um, because he, he's been through this. He was Khonshu's person and now he's with Mark and he's like doing the twisted version of like, hey, here's how it works, idiot. Yeah, but I, I like it. Uh, like you said, I'm enjoying Ethan Hawke. I think he's a good villain. Yeah. And it's. It's always fun to have a sympathetic villain. I know there's a lot of discussion about that. I feel like a lot of people are sort of pushing back on the whole MCU understanding the villain's perspective thing and watch just like, yeah, I'm evil, but I don't know. I like watching this better personally. I mean, I think that's one of the main reasons why the Marvel uh, movies and TV shows have been so much more successful than DC because the villains aren't. I mean, the DC movies that people flock to, like Joker, are literally in the villain's head the whole time. <laughs> so, like, I think that's important. Like, Thanos is the main character of, uh, you know, the, the final phase of the f- first final movies of the first phase of the Marvel Universe. And here, I, I'm still not convinced, I said this last episode, that Khonshu might end up being mm. the villain at the end of this um, first run. Interesting. Other moments from the episode that you want to call out, we didn't really talk about the Jackal fight. Uh, we got to see that classic jumping across the rooftops in front of the moon. Just as a little bit of a side note, I I don't even know what was in the middle of, but an ad for Moon Knight came up, and I was sitting there with my seven-year-old, and he saw that shot, and he's like, well, that's a rip-off of Batman. Wow, seven. I know, and I was like, we just talked about that. Do you want to come on this podcast? You're you're training your replacement. Yeah, Uh, it was definitely weird. Uh, Yeah. He's a huge on uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's accredited, and I'm not, and it's driving me insane, to be honest. Bummer. And he's a mummy Reddit. I follow him on mummy Reddit. Uh, I did really like the shot at the end of the Jackal fight where it was impaled on whatever that was. Yeah, some sort of church thing. I don't know. Um, well, and just talking about that fight, um, I love because this. I was talking in the last episode about how. What I like about the show is we really are riding along with Mark Stevens' perspective. Like, they're, we're right there with them and seeing the personality shifts and all that. That's really cool. And the fact that we jump out to, like, a third-person perspective for this fight with the Jackal and it's invisible 
uh, and we're getting that. I thought that was such a smart move and made for a really dynamic fight and gave us the revelation that he this is real. After the beginning of this episode, it was like, are you just making this up, dude? So I thought that was really cool. And also, I know we're only two episodes in, but one of the things that I always look at with these TV shows is, are they trying to make mini movies or are they actually trying to make TV shows? And I think so far, again, we're only two episodes in, but they're doing a good job of making this episodic, which is no small compliment because you have people like Taylor Sheridan doing Yellowstone and being like, well, we're making more of a 10-hour movie here. So for the movie people at Marvel to actually be working to make a TV show, I appreciate that. That's nice. Yeah, and like this this episode especially um, was such a good like t- episode of television. They set up this thing. It's not real maybe. And then it, we find out definitively that it is real. And then we set up a bunch of things for the next episode. The pilot – Great pilot, put us in the action, and then push us off. Like, they're doing a really good job with this. I mean, they're learning. The The thing about the MCU Ooh, is they're, they they're, seem to always be learning. learning. right? Yeah, yeah, see? Good, good, yeah. good. It's going to come back every episode, I think. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, little Easter egg here. Uh, despite the fact that it is in the MCU, they haven't really been, you know, teasing other things. Nobody's mentioned Iron Man. Nobody showed off Captain America's shield or talked about him. But they did have a very quick Easter egg in here during the Jackal fight. On the bus, there was an ad for the GRC, the Global Reparations Council, and it said, reuniting you with your better half. So not that it's a huge surprise, but this is definitely setting it post-blip, even yeah. though nobody is necessarily referring to it. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I like that. I like the fact that it isn't Harrow being like, I'm responding to the fact that Thanos snapped away half the people in the world, and people are feeling lost, and I got them a cult. Maybe that's the underpinning of it. Like, maybe that why is why he's drawing in so many people. But not talking about that is so much more preferable to me, personally. Yeah, doing it in the way you said with, like, a bus ad is so much so you can notice it or not. But when it's like this uh, – talk about the same thing that was said in Captain America Winter Soldier. Like, we, we have that. We have that in the lexicon. Like, we don't need to say it. Like, here's why people are disaffected in the Marvel Universe. All this bad stuff keeps happening. It's like, I know. <laughs> you don't need to mention the giant alien ship that crashed in, in Thor the Dark World. We'll just go with it. Or when Spider-Man blew up Mysterio on the bridge. It's fine. We got it. London has had it tough. You don't need to show Harold managing like several tattoo artists who are constantly bringing people in, making sure the tattoos look good. See, uh, updating them. I want an episode on that, though. Now I want an episode on that. I want them to be auditioning the tattoo artists, be like, hey, just show me like your scale. And do you have one of those scales uh, tattoos? Can you make one of those tattoos that changes color and moves? Yeah, I want the moving one. If I'm in a cold, I want the moving one. Yeah, but I do like the idea of an episode where, like, in the mornings, Harold's, like, coordinating the cupcake truck. Like, hey, come on. No, we, every we have it's cupcake th- Thursday. Where are you? Oh, the truck's still wrecked from when Moon Knight was here? Okay, well, let's get it fixed. I'm a cult leader. Let's do some – you're a cult person. You do what I say for a change. I mean, on a similar subject, when he said he made the lentil soup, do you think he made enough lentil soup for everybody? Because that's a lot of lentil soup. Or did he make, yeah. like, enough for two bowls? Well, and let's say lentil, very cost-effective soup. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not getting into a bunch of, uh, like, high-end uh, high-end herbs. You don't have to do, like, a pork base or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think he could have done it. I think they're making big vats. If Marvel is smart, they're going to start marketing Harrow's lentil soup and selling that because I would definitely pick that up. Like, those Grogu 
uh, Mandalorian cookies that they did when he ate uh, the little macarons in one episode. They started selling those through William Sonoma. Do the same thing here. Wow. You're in a level of fandom that I <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> I Mostly, that's the stuff that we discuss on the Mummy Reddit, but, you know. Yeah. It comes up. What is William Sonoma's next uh, geek culture recipe <laughs> product going to be? I'm telling you, Harrow's lentil soup. It's going to happen. Check it out later today when it pops up. Alfred's what? Batman cucumber sandwiches. <laughs> I need them. I need. Are they shaped like bats? I'll eat That's them. Smart. Instead, you. I'm stuck in the bat bat zoni or whatever from. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what is it? The calzoni. It's the Batman calzoni. It's not the bat yeah. zoni. They should have called it the bat zoni. That's a different universe. We're not going to get into that. Any other moments from the episode you wanted to call out in particular? Uh, um, I, I like the oh. line when they were looking at the footage, just real quick, where Dak Shepard, uh, not Dak Shepard, Fat Shepard, Fat Shepard, Shepard, are you crying? And he goes, yeah, bit. <laughs> and then they kind yeah. of move on from there. Fun thing. Uh, what were you going to say? Statue Man still crushing it in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a confidant. The ultimate. Uh, I, I hope we've seen him in episodes one and two. Is he a season long runner? Is he in Egypt? Is the statue man in Egypt? I gotta tell you, when he showed up the second time, I started to get suspicious of him, which is insane. Like, yeah. But I started to think, like, oh, he's working for Harrow. If, yeah, right. <laughs> the only movement is to reveal yeah, the tattoo. Dun, dun, dun. But I, I wish in that big, dramatic, like, swagger shot at the end of Mark drinking with Egypt, if in the corner, Statue Man is just, like, frozen. <laughs> Wait, is <laughs> like, Statue Man next to the pyramids or Statue Man's in his room? He should be next to the pyramids, technically. But yeah. uh, I'll take I'll take Statue Man any way I can get him. Oh, he's great. A uh, couple other moments I'll call out. This is just a, it was not the most subtle thing, but I thought it was pretty nice. In the scene where the museum lets him go, and the last thing he has is his name, and they take his I, name, because that's the only thing he has. Smart. I like that. And the fact that he's giving, he's losing his identity, because he just found out that there's another identity inside him. I actually, that is like a little bit uh, film school grad uh, shit there, but I, I liked it. No, I thought it was good. That's why I brought it up. Uh, also, um, the oh, I like the scarab. That's that also was very mummy to me. You know, like obviously they yes. have scarabs in there, but the whole like it's a flying scarab that works as a compass, and we're going to follow it. It's very simple, but it's very fun. The hallway scene in the storage facility when Conchu was chasing Stephen. I thought was great. They've talked a little bit about how they really wanted to push the violence and push the horror specifically for Marvel. I don't think it's wildly over the top by you or anything like that. Uh, So maybe they feel like it's pushed for Marvel, but regardless, the sequence worked really well and it was really fun and well filmed. And also, I don't know if this was my version only, but I think this was a purposeful choice at the end of that scene. Conchu turns Faisha Steven and Steven screams and there's like a freeze frame on him for a second. Yeah. Yep. It felt very um, like Twin Peaks E in mm-hmm. a cool way. I love the, those little things we're doing. We talked about some of the shots are just a little showier in, in yeah. the episode so far. And it's very yeah. fun to see. Very cool. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Before we end up here, why don't we talk about our vision board, what we want to see in the next episode of the series. Justin, what's on your vision board? Well, uh, I've said that I really like the way that um, our, the, the way they're making this show, telling the story with all the different perception, 
perception shifts. Um, so I want to, I hope we get to see more of that. Um, uh, it seems like Mark is going to be in charge now. Um, but I don't want to lose Steven fully. I, I hope we get to see him sort of taking over at different times, showing up in the suit at the wrong moment and actually getting better. Cause really we want to see him be a hero too. Yeah, I agree with all of that. My big thing now that we're in Egypt and we know we're in Egypt, are we going to get a scene back in time where we see how the Sphinx lost its nose? You know, that's like a yeah. classic time travel thing. Something happens with the fist of Kanchu, He slams into it. Sphinx loses his nose. Everybody goes nuts in the audience because they're like, oh, that's how it happened. That's very fun. That's a great call. Mommy Reddit, watch out. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Mood Night, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. I'm going to head down and reach for a couple croissants in a sec, so I'll catch up with you later. Oh, romantic. Thank you.